Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the football landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We got a ton to dive into today, headed into week seven. Lamar Jackson might be the most unstoppable player in the league other than Derrick Henry, who just refuses to slow down for anyone right now. And he's got a matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs this week that uh, is kind of scaring me for Chiefs fans. Uh, The AFC is still wide open after the Bills fell on Monday night football to those Tennessee Titans. Urban Meyer actually picked up his first NFL win. And we have to have a conversation about Patrick Mahomes as he's currently tied with Trevor Lawrence for the second most interceptions in the NFL. But let's get to it. Kyle Posey of Niners Nation and Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Boys, I want to start today's episode with Lamar Jackson. And the MVP race is tight right now. There's a lot of incredible quarterbacks playing in the NFL at the moment who are, are doing a lot of really good things for their team. Like the NFC seems like it's absolutely loaded with talented football teams. But if the season ended today, I think Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the NFL. In my opinion, just the, the way he has overcome all of the injuries that the Ravens have dealt with, got them to a five and one record and a dominating win over the rising Los Angeles Chargers. I think Lamar is just absolutely unstoppable right now. And I don't think anyone in the NFL, despite reports that they had figured him out, has any idea what to do to stop Lamar. No team in the NFL has more players on the injury reserve than the Baltimore Ravens. And you'd have no idea watching Baltimore play because of their quarterback. He is insane, man. Um, Teams will try to load the box and, you know, force him to pass. Doesn't work. Teams will, you know, when they spread it out, when they're forced to throw the ball, he can pick you apart. And when you don't, obviously, uh, he gets one-on-ones and he will just make you look stupid. He makes the best of the best athletes look like average athletes, and that's probably the biggest compliment you can give a guy like Lamar. Um, the Chargers didn't stand a chance in this game. <laughs> they had no shot. When you, And we're going to talk about what happened to the Chargers, but when you can't stop the run against Baltimore – just, you know, go back to the bus, man. And that, that's essentially what this game was. Um, I don't I don't see this offense slowing down anytime soon. And then you add in a guy like Rashad Bateman, who had a drop, but he runs good routes, and he's going to be a very good target for Lamar, a much-needed target for Lamar underneath. And the ceiling is just going to go through the roof for this offense, I think, um, especially once he has a guy that he can trust. But, yeah, Lamar's a man. We say it every week. It's not really a surprise. It's fun to watch. It's, it's fun to see him continue to make plays, but he's always been an ascending player. And this is just, you know, kind of us getting a chance to confirm our priors, if anything. Yeah, I think, you know, that point about the fact that they're so injured and you can't tell is kind of the testament to Lamar Jackson. I mean, think about that Indianapolis Colts game that he had against them. The Colts lose two corners and it, everything falls apart for him. You know what I mean? And we haven't really seen the Baltimore Ravens kind of sputter out of control, which probably should happen when, you know, Ronnie Stanley goes down and you traded Orlando Brown and the rest of the offensive line isn't looking like it it was supposed to show up, you know, on week one. So 
I think Lamar, man, it's it's so interesting to see kind of how the narrative has been structured around Lamar, or it went. We're going into every season saying he's going to get figured out, and it's just simply not happening. And then it becomes win the big game, and then he beats Kansas City, and we're like, ah, win another one. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, when is this going to stop? Like, he's clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I saw that graphic. I mean, uh, the Baltimore Ravens PR put out about, you know, he's the winningest quarterback under 25 that the NFL has ever seen. He just passed Marino. I mean, he's a full-blown star, guys. Like, he, he's going to be a lot of future quarterbacks' favorite quarterback. You know, yes. like, that's who he's going to be. He's this generation's Vic, basically, where, like, kids want to model their game after him. He's transcendent. He's a superstar. Get used to it. If if Lamar playing football the way he plays football rubs you wrong, look in the mirror. I, I feel like not just get used to it, but embrace it. We should do a better job of embracing his style of play. And he's a very good drop back quarterback. This has not been any different when he came out of Louisville. So um, maybe people are starting to wake up to that. But yeah, just get used to it and embrace it, please, please. And that's the thing with this season where it's like, Okay, you want me to pass the ball? I'll pass the ball. Whereas in years past, that was always, well, he can't he can't throw when they get down early. And this season, Lamar is like, okay, I'll do that now, too. So uh, what, what else do you want to pick apart in my game? Because I'm just going to keep proving you wrong at every turn. Like, he, he's just been absolutely incredible. He is a superstar quarterback. And we definitely need to put this narrative to bed that like he can't win big games because obviously he can do that. And he got the postseason win last year. Now he's got the Ravens surprisingly atop the AFC at five and one after losing their week one game to the Raiders. They've rattled off five in a row and been really, really good. The defense has gone through some growing pains, but that's, I think what's kind of like a, a hallmark calling card of the Baltimore Ravens just as a franchise is that they seem to always have depth on defense, no matter when, the injuries start to pile up and their secondary kind of unravels. Like they had the Marcus Peters injury and those guys have all stepped up. Like their defense just is getting better each week, despite those struggles and those injuries. And that's something that they just do as a franchise where they just know the type of guys that they want to target. And they know the type of guys that they want to put in that system. And the Ravens are just a really good franchise. And Lamar Jackson is an incredible player, but I do want to get into that Chargers game because Brandon Staley is, you know, weekly viral video coach now, uh, marrying analytics Twitter and football Twitter in a way that we've never really seen before. And I love the videos. I love everything that he has to say. I love his approach to the game. He's been absolutely fantastic. But this Chargers team was a team that we were starting to bump up, bump up, bump up and say like, oh, this is a really good football team. This is a team that's going to challenge in the AFC. And I still think they are that because Justin Herbert is a special player. But you can't get dominated this way by the Baltimore Ravens, right? So I I'm just curious what you guys saw in that game and, and what the Ravens did to just totally shut down Justin Herbert in this offense. So they got punched in the mouth pretty good. Um, I would say the, the fourth down calls – that the Chargers made, like, sure, going for it's great, but they ran two curl routes against this guy named Marlon Humphrey, and the receiver they, they were throwing to was not Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. I have no idea what the Chargers were doing there. 
And then, I mean, we're talking about their offense. Go to the other side of the ball. This viral head coach that we are talking about is the defensive guru from Vic freaking Fangio's tree, and they have no idea how to stop the run. I understand that it's probably a personnel issue. Um, I mean, they have guys who are playing three-tech who just shouldn't be playing, but they can't get anywhere. Like, they can't fit the run. They are not fast. Um, they just don't look good on that side of the ball, and that's been – that's you know, the Ravens game is not an outlier. Obviously, the Browns just scored over 40 points, and it's been the case all season, but um, I just don't know – what the plan was against the Ravens. I know that again, if you can't stop the run against the Ravens, you just have zero chance. And down the line, who are the charges going to match up well against, you know, an AFC team that's going to make a pl the playoffs because this is going to be the theme for a lot of cases. And I don't know who they're going to stop. So they might be more like the regular season highlight team where Justin Herbert makes a bunch of plays, but I do not know who they, who they would be if it does come down to the playoffs. Whenever they go against a team that can just run downhill, they look like they're year one of a program. You know, I mean, that that's the case right now. And I think you're right. It is more of a personnel issue than anything else. Like they got to do better than Jerry Tillery up front, yeah. frankly, um, at least in the run game. You know, I know he can give you a little bit of pressure in the past game, but it happened against Dallas. It happened against Cleveland. It happened against Baltimore. I mean, this is a trend now, like, the Chargers are going to look like a team that's Super Bowl caliber against teams that are average to below average at running the ball. And then once they go against teams that run the ball, things start to even out for them, you know? Um, on the Staley stuff, I, th I think a lot of it too is like the bloggers being one of us, one <laughs> yeah. of us, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is really. I, if you ask the analytics guys, it's not like the Chargers have an actual robust analytics staff that that's not who they are they're still we we always talk about the raiders and um the Bengals as like kind of teams that are like cash poor but the chargers are right up there with them i mean they're paying someone rent for for an nfl stadium don't lose perspective of that <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's not like they're i think they're bought into analytics conceptual conceptually in terms of like stuff that is already being like adapted in the public sphere. But like on the back end, I, I don't think from, from my understanding, it's not like they're pumping a ton of resources into it. It's just Staley's willing to say it in a press conference and we get the one of us, one of us. The Ravens were successful on 55% of their early down runs and they were successful on a hundred percent of their runs on third and fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough. Can't get I, off the field if you don't get stops. Yeah, this this Chargers defensive front even gave up 100 yards to Clyde Edwards-Alaire when they played the Chiefs earlier this season. And that doesn't happen very often for Clyde so far in his NFL career. Uh, I do. You mentioned, you know, that when they look like a, a year one team or something like that, like it's. It is important to keep in mind that perspective of him being a first-year head coach, Justin Herbert being a second-year quarterback, and then being this good. Like, this was a team in a division that we thought was going to be just run by the Kansas City Chiefs earlier in the preseason, and they're still atop the division, and they're still looking good. They just got absolutely dominated by a team that's got more experience and they had a good game plan and they knew exactly how they wanted to attack them. 
and they just didn't know what to do with it. And that happens when you're a, a young team in the NFL sometimes. So I, I just think that it's one of those weeks where it's, we're still figuring things out. Thankfully we're headed into a bye. And if you believe everything that Brandon Staley says, they're going to look at all their personnel groupings over this bye week and, and oh, address check the EPA. One <laughs> yeah. <of us. laughs> yeah. And, you know, and address some of those position groups. So uh, we'll, we'll see what the chargers do coming out of that bye week. I, I'm sure they'll bounce back and Justin Herbert will be just fine. So I, I'm not too worried about the Los Angeles chargers. I think it was another one of those games where your quarterback just put up a stinker and that happens at times. And uh, the Ravens did a good job of just, you know, having different looks around the line of scrimmage and messing with, you know, the Chargers pass protection and stuff. But I think just Herbert didn't play well. And that doesn't mean he sucks and he's overrated. He just didn't have a good game. And that happens in the NFL. Yeah, it, ha it happens to plenty of quarterbacks uh, across the National Football League. Uh, one player who's just seems like he's never going to have a bad game again is Titans running back Derrick Henry, who is making a legitimate case that he should be considered in the MVP race. He has just been absolutely dominant over the last five games. He's got 10 rushing touchdowns, just putting up yardage at an absurd clip. And it just seems like nobody can stop him. And it's not like they've been going against totally soft run defenses. Like they've had some decent matchups in there and Derrick Henry is just totally unstoppable right now. Like he's, I, I was trying to think of, He's just like Adrian Peterson, I guess, like prime Adrian Peterson when he was you know, going for an MVP and 2000 yards like Derrick Henry just is that dude. He's this generation's Adrian Peterson. But it looks like if he keeps this pace up, he's just going to go for 2000 and back to back years. How would the nerds like it if they found out in this game, Derrick Henry had a higher EPA per play than his quarterback? Uh, Small sample size, <laughs> right, right? How dare right. you? How dare you, KP? Anti-intellectual uh, thoughts. Henry would lead the league if we had a stat called business decisions against. Because once he gets to that second level, the safeties are like, oh, "Do I really want to do this?" I, I think it was Hyde, Micah Hyde. It looked, it looked like he dove three yards early, so he didn't have to worry about contact on his on that long touchdown run. Um, they want nothing to do with him, man. And then once he gets to the fourth, uh, I can you can see why he leads the league in rushing or his yards per attempt go up by the quarter because he just lowers his shoulder and he's so he's 260 pounds and he runs a four four and it looks like he runs a four four and he builds up speed in a hurry. So I wouldn't want to tackle him either. Don't blame defenses, but yeah, he's he's tough to stop, man. I don't I understand why the Titans were so successful last year because they had the guys on the outside and Derrick Henry doing this. And when they can, when they can keep the game close and they can continue to ride and lean on Henry like this, they are going to be competitive in these type of games. It's the slow starts are killing them. And that's really the only reason why I believe, I mean, obviously their defense leaves a lot to be desired, but that's why, you know, the record is what it is. But if, if they can keep the game close and just lean on Henry, 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 they're going to be tough, man. Again, one of the biggest things with Henry is that not only can he put up the yardage, it's he can stay on the field. He does not have to come off the field. Obviously, they they do switch him out, you know, third and long. Like, passing situations, they get blasting game, which I think is funny as hell because blasting game isn't necessarily, like, the, the most proficient pass catcher. Um, but they give him breathers that way. But the, the fact that he can just be on the field constantly and you have to constantly worry about him and you have to worry about, 
not even necessarily because we've seen him rip off these big runs against single high safety. Like you drop down in the box, but you're dropping down to the edge. You're not dropping down inside. And then he's right. just running ISO down you. And it's him one-on-one with the free safety. And then that safety, like you said, has to make a business decision. Sean Merriman was on Twitter. Sean Merriman was on Twitter. I don't know if you guys remember how how much of a loose cannon that guy was. Lights but he out. was talking about having to make business decisions against a guy like Derrick Henry. If he's worried about that, yeah, yeah, defensive backs are worried about it. And the way he talks about it is like injury risk. Like how long do you want your career to be? How many hits – can wow. you actually give on Derrick Henry before you go down? I mean, look at like even think about like uh like youth football, right? Where they put the stripe on the helmet and they say, All right, you're too heavy to carry the ball. You can't you we're putting a stripe on your helmet so that we know that you can't be like a ball carrier because of the injury risks to like other kids. That's what we're seeing with Derrick Henry, but against like NFL players. Like, he can just run through you. How many times do we have to see his long arms just, like, stiff arm a guy? And it's not even, like, a forceful stiff arm. It's just like, oh, I'm in your chest now, and you're on the ground. You have to come at that guy full contact. And that's that's not fun. That's not fun for anyone other than Derrick Henry and, like, Mike Vrabel. Yeah, he's just a bully. Like, like, he's just bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else. And... I am generally squarely in the running backs don't matter conversation. Like I think that they are interchangeable and success can be predicated on situation a lot at that position. But Derrick Henry is the outlier. Derrick Henry is the one who exits the conversation on that. Like the Titans would be a bad football team if Derrick Henry was not just carrying them each and every week. The other thing too is the – even if you do look at the numbers and like the expectations over carries and stuff like that, the two guys who are the exceptions right now, and it's fine to say that they're exceptions. It's not like every position there's like a, a, it's not like an even split, right? Like some positions it's like, yeah, there's definitely two guys way better than everyone else. It's Derek Henry and it's Nick Chubb. Those are the two running backs who, when they're carrying the ball, they're different than everyone else in the league. So he had 20, 20 carries. Only five of them went for first downs. He finished with 143 yards for 7.2 yards. Obviously, even if you were to take that 75 yard away, that's still a bunch of yards for a lot of yards per carry, man. His impact just is unreal, man. And for a running back, it feels like hyperbole, but will we see something like this again? Because I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, most of those guys aren't playing running back, right? I I, I would think if anyone other than like Alabama and maybe Georgia would be like Derrick Henry, how about uh, you get in a three point stance and like rush the passer or something? (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, those guys don't get to running back very often. He's probably Sean Merriman's size now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, they're they're probably really close and terrifying, man. (laughs) It's, It's when you watch him too, like, and you know, I think his run was like fastest recorded this season according to next gen stats at like 21.8 miles per hour like it just doesn't make sense when you see him get in the open field and just blow past secondary players you're, you're just like all right well it's like you're trying to tackle a prius it's not that's <laughs> yeah. not fun yeah yeah it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever derrick henry is unlike any player that i think we've ever seen in the nfl he's just a- absolutely incredible uh, I do want to give our resident Packers expert uh, Justice Mosqueda the floor here for a second for his thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and him 
owning the Bears and also letting the fans know it. Yeah, it's 11.53 Pacific time and the Bears still suck. Uh, we still own you forever. Yeah. It, I mean, what else can you say? That's everything that I want. Uh, the Bears very much in my lifetime have been like little brother. And yeah, just like to keep them there. Just give them a noogie every once in a while. We didn't even have to use um, Randall Cobb, who is like their boogeyman. Randall Cobb has had so many moments, so I'm excited to see him uh, have that standout game in the in the second meeting of these teams this season. Um, yeah, we got a shirt on Acme Packing Company. Uh, got licensed with you know Aaron Rodgers NFLPA, so it took like two days to get up on the site, but we got that. We're giving our proceeds to charity, but. Yeah, I mean, we we got the uh, rallying cry, right? We got, like, relax a couple years ago. We got run the table a couple years ago. And now we got I still own you. So I love it. I love the energy. Well, this he is also the last dance, the too. Game, Yeah, the last dance. He also said after the <laughs> game, he was like, oh, I got a feeling this isn't the last time I'm going to be in Soldier Field as a Green Bay Packer beating them up. So oh, that's always nice to see. Maybe we're changing our two. Second to last dance, penultimate dance. There you go. He is, he's really good at what he does as far as just working the media. Uh, were you ever worried about the Packers losing that game? Um, going into it, not really. Uh, in the game, a little bit. They had pass protection issues real quick um, in that first quarter, and it just turned into, like, Chicago's getting the ball back. So that's always never a good thing. And then the, uh, the other thing offensively is they realized like the bears were getting into like a lot of bear fronts and stuff like that. So they were like, Hey, we can't actually run the zone and we're a zone team. So we got to start running like power and stuff like that, where, you know, these down blocks are like windshield wipers, right? It just clears them out. Um, they did a pretty good job of that, you know, down the stretch, they got a long run off of power and stuff like that. So they adapted in game. Um, I will say like Justin Fields, I understand that his stats are very bad. I get it. Um, you don't have to explain that to me. The things that some of the things that he's able to do on the field are not mistakes, right? Like the ball placement on a lot of these throws are things that you can't luck into, and a lot right. of things that other NFL starting quarterbacks cannot replicate. So, like, and would he, not attempt. No. So, like, when Justin Fields is doing like weird things, like dirting the ball and is just going into no direction in particular. Sure. I understand that that's bad. Keep feeding this guy reps. Um, I think he's going to be a very good football player down the line. And I'm not too happy that the Packers are going to have to play him, you know, twice a year for like a decade. Yeah. I'm not sure how much longer the bears are going to be little brother. If there's going to be a change <laughs> at quarterback for the Packers and if fields yeah. continues to play, like he is looking you got well, Jordan Love, though. In case hey. <laughs> All right. We don't need to do that. Yes. Roger said he's going to come back. I don't have to think about Jordan Love until like 2024. Please. <laughs> uh, we should probably mention while we're on the Packers, according to Aaron Wilson, former Texans pass rusher, Whitney Merciless is expected to sign with the Packers today. So getting a boost in the pass rush department with uh, Zadarius Smith on the IR and Preston Smith banged up. Packers could probably use uh, Whitney Merciless at this point. They could use yeah. justice at this point. Yeah, they have three outside linebackers who are healthy right now. Right. One was picked up off of Arizona's practice squad in week two. The other one is a uh, second-year player who was drafted in the sixth round. He, uh, Jonathan Garvin, who was like a rotational player at Miami. He was behind Jalen Phillips and uh, Russo. So it's not like they're super deep at the pass rushing positions and they just keep getting chipped away. You talked about 
Zadarius Smith on IR. They also had two other guys, uh, Randy Ramsey and uh, Chauncey Rivers, who was like on Last Chance U, if you guys remember that. Um, they're both on IR too. So like they are getting pounded on the edges right now and they have to rotate guys like crazy just to keep their legs fresh. So Wendy Merciless like might be able to get into this game on Sunday. You know, it's it's not that tough for outside linebackers, you know, pass rushers in general. You guys remember when like Khalil Mack was traded for for the Bears? They used him, you know, the that that week. You know, he showed up, they used him that week. It's not like you can play him every down, but if they're asking Merciless to come off the bench, I think he could get reps this Sunday. Help is on the way, Packers fans. Whitney Merciless, baby. We need it. I mean, we're only five and one. So Chiefs fans are not happy today that uh, Whitney Merciless did not uh, sign with Kansas City, but uh, that's that's a different conversation. Uh, This podcast, I feel like especially, has been pretty harsh on Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury, and I think it's deservedly so. I think we agree that. Kyler Murray is incredible and he is playing absolutely unconscious this season. And that's a big reason why the Cardinals are six and zero. also their defense has been much better than I anticipated uh, during the preseason, but we got to see what the Cardinals looked like without cliff on Sunday. He uh, tested positive for COVID was not able to travel with the team. Did we learn anything about the cliff Kingsbury list, Arizona Cardinals this past weekend? Kyler Murray's still good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, still a superhero. Yep. Uh, so if you weren't watching the game, would you be able to tell that Cliff wasn't there? Because I would not be able to. No, I didn't um, even realize he wasn't there. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah, I didn't – I don't know. So Arizona's a good team, and there's no, no doubt about that. They have continued to make plays on both sides of the ball. And I think more importantly, they take advantage of their opportunities to uh, – Every team in the NFL, every Sunday, they get a chance, an opportunity at some point during the game to take over and to kind of swing the momentum in their way and never look back. Arizona, the opportunities that they get more than anybody, I feel like they are taking advantage of those, whether it's turnovers, whether it's the ball bouncing their way, whether it's just making one-on-one plays like their receivers, um, Ronda Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, they're winning. And because of that, that's why they have not lost in the loss column because if you watch the Browns game, what do we see? We saw Kyler Murray running around, making plays. We saw the defense find ways, whether it's, you know, Baker fumbled, but I've seen it plenty of times in other games where the offense gets that ball back. Arizona finds ways to get those type of get those type of turnovers. So um, I don't think they're going to slow down anytime soon. I still don't know, and I know this sucks to say because they are undefeated. I don't know that they're going to be the best team in the NFC, but the regular season success, you can't poo-poo on that so good for them hat tip golf clap is what i'll say the the tough thing with them being the best team in the nfc or even getting the one seed right which is super important now now that only one team gets a bye it's you're still playing the nfc west and you're gonna get russell wilson when he's healthy again and then you're gonna get stafford and then hopefully you know for for our sake and kyle's sake specifically hopefully san francisco figures out their damn quarterback situation (laughs) um but, yeah, I mean, this is just a mad-ass team right now. I mean, offensively, it's Kyler Hero ball. They got a ton of wideouts who can catch the ball. And, you know, once it goes into scramble drill, there's very few quarterbacks who are as good as Kyler right now. And then defensively, you know, we had a lot of questions specifically about, like, their cornerbacks and their secondary because it seemed like the guys who can play at a high level in the secondary are all smaller guys, right, where we're talking about guys like Buda Baker and stuff. But – 
the collective team speed of that Arizona defense shows up every single time that they get a scramble drill. So as long as the quarterback is just out of rhythm for like a half tick, then that team speed shows up and a lot of things that would be open for a lot of other teams start to get nailed down, you know, for Arizona. So I don't know. They're an interesting team. I'm still kind of like week to week watching them, trying to figure out like who they're going to be going into the playoffs. You know, I don't necessarily know what their identity is beyond Kyler hero ball and defensive team speed. Um, but the cliff thing, I mean, I, I mean, what what are what are we to say? Like it, they didn't take a step back once he wasn't there. I'm sure him, you know, prepping uh, for that game and building the structure, you know, matters. Give him some credit there. But then he was saying, you know, I didn't even watch the game. Like just I'm just so focused on the game. Like, <laughs> how many drinks do you think he had during? The right, game? that's two and the a half. Question is, what was he watching? Where was he watching it? And who was the bartender during that game? Yeah. But just about the Cardinals real quick, you brought up the team speed. I don't think we put enough emphasis on how important team speed is on defense in today's game. The one play that stands out, remember, they ran a re- Cleveland ran a reverse with um, who's the, the speedy Auburn receiver? Schwartz. Anthony Swartz. My yeah. boy. And the Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, I blanked on his name. He sniffed it out and ran him down. Nobody else is doing that. So just you kind of see – how their team speed complements each other and how it works and helps them get off the field. I think that's at every level, whether it's, you know, the secondary and Buda Baker's filling down the alley, uh, closing gaps that he has no business closing and making them play. So uh, they, they are really fast. They run well. They can be a little reckless at times, but it hasn't like nobody's made them pay for that. Yeah, their defense, I would say, is probably the biggest surprise for me when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. Um now, Kyler's just incredible, and as long as he keeps playing like this, they're going to keep winning a lot of football games. And I'm sorry, Cliff, but it seems like that's going to be the case whether you're there or not. This thing is just going to keep moving along. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed your Sunday off and had several drinks because I'm sure that's what you were doing, not the preparing for the next game like you claim. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick time out. But when we get back, we're going to have a conversation about Patrick Mahomes and what exactly is going on with him this season as he's tied for second in the NFL with eight interceptions through six weeks. And we need to talk about that Mac Jones performance against the Dallas Cowboys. That's next on NFL University. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more. And get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Guys, I, I wanted to kick off this part of the show with a discussion around Patrick Mahomes, who is obviously still a very special player, and the Kansas City Chiefs struggling to start the year their defense is very very bad they're three and three coming off of a huge win against the washington football team where that defense held them scoreless in the second half but mahomes had another two interceptions including one that was just simply one of the worst interceptions i've seen in a long time in the nfl and i wanted to have this discussion because he's got eight interceptions for the first six weeks of the season tied for second in the nfl uh behind zach wilson tied with trevor lawrence Mahomes is incredible. I don't think there's like a regression thing that's happening or anything like that. But what I'm seeing when I watch him is he doesn't trust his offensive line. He knows his defense is terrible. And so he feels like he's got to put up 40 points a game for the Chiefs to win. Now, I think he had to do that in 2018. And we didn't see the mistakes like this in 2018. Where I think this time it's different is... That offensive line let him down so bad in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think we're seeing some of the flaws in his game that people talked about coming out of Texas Tech kind of pop up in the NFL. And I'm just curious, like, what you guys are seeing when you've watched Patrick Mahomes play this year. So it's, it's kind of wild just to talk about this because he's completing 69% of his passes for 7.8 yards per attempt with 18 touchdowns and eight interceptions. And we're talking like, what is wrong with this guy? Um, he's still easily one of the best players in the NFL. I think most quarterbacks would kill to have the type of season that he's having. But when you set the bar where Mahomes has, and I mean, he's arguably in my lifetime one of the greatest quarterbacks that I've seen. And um, these last few games have not changed that at all. But there's no doubt about it. We talked about a little bit about this before the pod started that you know, he's reverting back to his Texas Tech days where you mentioned that he doesn't trust his offensive line. And that shows by the <laughs> how many yards he takes on his quarterback drops, where sometimes he's at like in double digits. So you can't blame the lineman for that. But he has the arm to get away with that. So I can understand why he does that. But at the same time, and he, he spoke about this a little bit during his Texas Tech days, where um, if he knows that his defense can't get stops, he just puts a cape on and goes to bat and does everything that he feels like he needs to do to win. And that usually involves some awful decision-making. And a couple of times a game, he will have those throws where you – that interception that you mentioned where he's wrapped up, he's about to go down, just eat it, man. Just live for another down, whether it's a kick, uh, whether you have to punt the ball, that's great. But you, you can't make those type of decisions. And those type of decisions are starting to rack up um, – I don't know what the point or what the coaching point would be because you don't want to tell him, hey, don't do this because we've seen, as we saw later on in the game, he does one of those crazy plays where he rolls to the right, throws it all the way back. I know it didn't count, but um, just wildly talented human that most most people would not be able to get away with some of the things that he does. But still, it would be a little concerning once you get a, once you start playing the good teams because it didn't hurt them against Taylor Heineke, but that's not going to be the case 
when they play, you know, a superior playoff team. I think the big difference between even playing that way at Tech versus playing in Kansas City is the amount of possessions that you're going to get in a game, right? Where you can go back and look at that Texas Tech-Oklahoma game when it was him going against Baker and each team got like 120 snaps and dudes were getting like carted off the field because of dehydration after the game. Um, I mean, that's just not happening in the NFL. So I think what what he really needs to learn is that every game isn't going to be a shootout. Just because you need points, right, and your defense isn't playing well doesn't mean that it's going to be a shootout every single time, right? I mean, look at kind of what Aaron Rodgers has been doing uh, the since week one when New Orleans was like, we're just going to play you in two man. Like, he's had to check down and just, like, be able to run the ball so often, you know? Um, I wonder how much that comes into play. But you do get into a weird spot specifically with him when, I mean, he's a quarterback who makes plays out of structure, and that's why you paid him all that money. And right. If you're trying to legislate that out of his game, like you can't get mad when he's doing switchback running with his back to the defense and throws an interception when you didn't say the same thing when he did that, you know, a year ago and it was a big touchdown, you know? So that, that's a very tough situation to be in. Um, I would say, honestly, like if you're Kansas City, why don't you go into like RPO stuff more, right? Like where you can just. Hey, if we need a throw, the ball is just out of his hand instantly. But let's try to like run the ball first and foremost. And if they make us pass it, then we have that one clean option outside. You know, I, I think doing that, especially on early downs, kind of helps the volatility of like Mahomes' game right now. And again, he's not a bad player, guys. I watched Brett Favre for so many years. He, he's having a damn it Brett season. And damn it Brett seasons happen every once in a while. Mahomes is going to be fine. Uh, a year ago, we were talking about this guy as like, hey, is this the best quarterback we've ever seen on a football field ever, bar none? He, he's going to make it out okay. It's just a weird funk right now. And Kansas City, I think, as an organization and as a team and how they're structuring you know, everything down to like their cap and how they're spending their draft picks, I think is a question mark right now. And I think everyone in, the, in that facility is kind of trying to figure out what is the next direction of this team. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that he isn't regressing like that. That's not what we're watching this season. I, I just think that there is something to the idea that the Chiefs were so good last season that they just slept walk through the regular season and went to another Super Bowl. And then this season, they're not catching those kinds of breaks because you just can't live like that in the NFL. And so those things have kind of unraveled to the point where they have like the worst turnover differential in the NFL so far this season. And a lot of it is just careless mistakes that they were playing through last season. Those things were there last season. The turnovers weren't quite as bad, obviously, but those things were there last season. They just, nobody else could stop them. And with the competition level, elevated so much this year across the NFL. Like you just have to stop doing that. Like you just simply have to stop making poor decisions. And you, it is a risky kind of line with Mahomes because you want him to be risk taking. Cause that's how we get like the take your breath away type of throws in the insane plays. And you don't ever want him not to be that guy. So 
The answer is like, yeah, I think Andy should do a little bit more to help keep him out of those situations. And, and, but it should never be tell him to stop doing that. Let him keep doing what he's doing. Cause what he's doing is, is working just fine. Like he's, he's incredible. And I don't think he's taken a step back. I just think sometimes things don't go your way in the NFL. And this just happens to be the first time that we're seeing things not to go completely Patrick Mahomes way. Yeah. Like you said, I think they just got to figure out ways to get the ball out of his hand quick. Right. If you can figure that out, then you don't have to play that game where you're legislating what he's doing outside of structure. And, you know, I, right now in the NFL, the answer is RPOs. I mean, look at what Green Bay is doing right now. Um, there's plenty of other teams that are doing it. Look at the damn Giants. The Giants are winning games with Danny Dimes right now because they're throwing the hell out of RPOs. Um, so it's a way to get your run game going. It's a way to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands fast. It's a way to limit turnovers while moving the ball down the field. And on the flip side, if, if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you get a turnover from Patrick Mahomes. You don't want to score fast. Why do you want to make this a high possession game, right? I mean, if if I'm if I can do what I want against the Kansas City Chiefs defense and Patrick Mahomes just threw me an interception, I'm trying to put up like a 16-play drive where I'm just nuking that clock the entire time and just slowly moving down the field, right? There's no real point in to try and scoring fast against this team with that defense and that quarterback. So I think all of these things are kind of complementary to each other too. I think last week it helped when the defense doesn't give up 30 points. It's easy to forgive, you know, Mahomes playing like this, but they've had so much success just in general and out of structure that it would be tough for Andy Reid and the coaching staff to change what they do knowing how many explosive plays happen when Mahomes does Mahomes things outside the pocket. So I don't disagree that, you know, they should probably get the ball out of his hands quicker. But again, like he's Mahomes and you you would think he's going to make the right decision and they're going to keep betting on that. I imagine that he does make the right decision. So you're going to be in his ear on, on one. You're going to be in his ear a little bit, but you don't want to like overcorrect him and overcoach him. Yeah, it, it's worked really, really well so far so you don't need to change much but in the nfl you should always be trying to tweak little things here sure. and there so i i think that's really all the chiefs need to do to fix the offense and if the offense stops turning the football over hopefully that'll help the defense a little bit i i don't think you can totally fix that defense but if stop turning the football over it'll certainly get you going in the right direction uh we do need to talk about Mac Jones real quick before we get out of here. Is Mac Jones the best rookie quarterback? Like, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, Mac Jones was dealing against the Dallas Cowboys, was he not? He absolutely was. He knows where to go with the ball, and he can put the ball wherever he wants to go. Like, those things matter, man, especially for a young guy, especially for a guy who probably hasn't seen much of what the NFL can present. But what he does before the snap, I think, is very impressive. He has a noodle. There is no doubt about it. Um, I, I like how Josh McDaniel is calling plays for him. And sure, there are a couple of throws here and there that he is going to miss, but that's going to be any rookie. But he's been impressive this whole season for me, man. And um, I don't think that his ceiling is going to be this guy where, you know, he develops into like a Trevor Lawrence type of type of player where you can see it's obvious that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a star, but Mac Jones is probably just going to be a steady Eddie guy that does win in this league. And I think once they actually get speed around him, his, his game will really take off, but he, he's been fun to watch in a way that 
isn't you know eye dropping like or jaw dropping like the plays that Mahomes makes. But again, just like a steady edit, and you know what you're going to get with Mac Jones. You know you can move the ball and score, and that is very important as a play caller. I th- I think Mac would be Mac would look a lot better, like you said, if he had more speed around him because he's just not testing deep. And the question then becomes like, okay, New England, are you able to just five plays? at a time move all the way down the field right that's the big question because they can't get explosives and they do a bunch of stuff that they didn't do under brady and they didn't do even under with with cam newton under center where it's like uh the double reverse passes right where they get to the goal line and every single time it's like wildcat now and it's just like okay he's not he's not that guy but he's able to operate at a high level for like a lot of these like basically like gimme throws but he knows where the ball needs to go right Right. so you got to give him credit on that i did think it was funny right digs with a pick six and then he just gets dotted uh in cover one against him and he was just it looked like he didn't even know like that mac jones could throw 15 yards (laughs) the way he played cover one on that play so that that was that was tough digs by the way just what a roller coaster of a player this guy just can't stop getting picks, but he also blows coverages. It's he's yeah, everything yeah. you could ask for he from is, like an entertainment standpoint from a quarter. He's like D'Angelo Hall or like uh he's uh, like Marcus like Peters on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> so Kendrick Bourne, who plays for the Patriots and played for the 49ers um when he was drafted, he said that Jimmy Garoppolo has a stronger arm than Mac Jones. That I believe is it. something. Um he also said that. Mac Jones throws like a more catchable ball. But just when we're talking about arm strength, when you watch Jimmy throw, you wouldn't come away thinking, oh, he has a strong arm. So for Bourne to say that about Mac, like that's pretty crazy. And you mentioned the explosive plays. So the Patriots have the 12th most explosive passing plays, but only I believe they're the eighth fewest um, explosive running plays. So it all ties into their entire offense and it's bogging them down. The hardest way to win in the NFL is when you don't have explosives because Against these guys on the other side of the ball, those 10, 12-play drives, those are not sustainable. Those do not exist. So they're going to – moving forward, the Patriots are going to have to find a way. Um, probably it's going to come down to adding speed, but how to get more explosive plays through the air and on the ground. And the Patriots job. have never had issues at wide receiver, right? I mean, that's never <laughs> been – adding speed at wide receiver has never been Bill Belichick's problem, huh? <laughs> Just wait till Nikhil Harry really turns yeah, there it is. that that offense is going to go to a whole other level. Yeah, Mac Jones really is just that guy. When you watch him, yeah, he doesn't do anything that like you jump out of your seat. Aside from this past Sunday, he had a couple of throws, but it's just you're like he's that guy. When you're watching, you're just like that's just a good read by Mac Jones. That's a good, just a good play. Nice, solid throw. Like. He doesn't do anything that's super interesting. I think part of that is what the Patriots are are just running right now. They're they're being conservative and, and playing it safe in a lot of ways, just slowing games down, trying to make sure he's not the reason that you lose football games, which I think is fine for a rookie quarterback, especially when you're a team that's not really overly talented like the Patriots. Like just just play it safe, but at some point, I'd like to see, yeah, we'll see what Mac has. Like, just let just let him uncork a few, and let's see how long they take to get forty yards down the field. No, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's. I think it's going to be tough for him because right now it already seems like Mac Jones. He has like that vet backup game, right? 
does everything right, doesn't really have the upside, but he's not making mistakes, right? The problem is, like, where does it go from here? Because right now it looks, okay, yeah, he definitely right now, if you were picking one of these guys just in isolation, right, you have an above-average football team, you're picking a rookie quarterback, who do you want to win you a fo- one single football game? I think you would pick Mac Jones. The question then becomes, right, when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who are already showing pretty high flashes, in my opinion, um, with some of the ball placement and stuff that they can do, wh- when do they just, like, surpass him and just, like, leave him in the dust and start lapping him, right? Because once they can do that with their arm strength, it's not a question anymore. Um, and arm strength isn't really something that ever gets better. I mean, who are the guys who have gotten better arm strength in the end? Like, Drew Brees, and that's, yeah, like, surgery. Post- surgery yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so like what are we gonna do we're gonna send uh we're gonna send mac jones get Dr. a bbl James. and like <laughs> he comes back with a with a different arm or he could go on whatever brady's doing i mean again suspicious arm strength there alex guerrero tb12 Yes, <laughs> the tv dinners right yeah just just get matt going in that and then he'll be fine and he'll play till he's 50 like like brady's gonna do so uh, uh but yeah well, well we'll see how things play out for the new england patriots and mac jones moving forward uh he's justice Mosqueda. you can follow him on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q you can follow kp on twitter at kp underscore show I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. And give us a five-star review on NFL University so we can keep talking to you guys each and every week. We'll talk to you on next week's edition of NFL University.